Alright, dragons, welcome back to episode 99 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about The Incredibles 2, which was a great movie that came out last week. Uh, spoiler alert, I think it was great. Uh, other than that, uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about Pixar, because of course, with every new Pixar movie that comes out, everyone re-ranks their top Pixar movies, um, and there were some lists that came out that I was quite offended by, uh, but anyways, we're gonna get to that, and then hopefully, uh, in a week, we'll have episode 100, and that'll be something really awesome for you guys, I hopefully have some stuff in the works, but anyways, uh, Morgan's gonna be joining us for this one, so we'll get started after the theme. In the basement, rolling dice. And we're back with Morgan. Morgan, hi, how are you? Hi, I'm doing okay. How are you? I am a little under the weather, but other than that, I am doing uh, quite okay. I'm a little nervous because I've got my big, toughest, mutter, eight-hour, five-mile loop course in Boston in like four days. So that's yeah, nerve-wracking. That's a big event. But you got this. I do got this. Um... And you know what? In five days, it'll be done. Yeah. So, regardless of how I feel about it now, um, I am hoping for 25 miles, but uh, we're we're going to see. It's a five-mile loop. How many obstacles in the loop? 20. 20 in five miles? That's a lot. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's 20. I got the course map, but I didn't really look through it all that much. Oh, I'd be interested to see what obstacles you're doing. Uh, yeah, they have one called the Spunky Monkey. Is it a play on Funky Monkey? It is. And so I'm wondering if it's like the next evolution of the Funky Monkey. Huh. Is Funky Monkey the one that was the um, monkey bars to the... The wheels. The wheels. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. That one was fun. But that was also technically Funky Monkey 3.0. So instead of going 4.0, they're going spunky. What would make it spunky? I don't know. I'm wondering. Like, maybe there are springs or <laughs> sporks. Something starting with an S and P? <laughs> sure. Spores. Like, they litter you with some sort of sporish virus. I don't know. Okay. Oh. Um. So here's a question about that. Do you have to do every obstacle on every lap? Yes. Um, well, it starts out for the first hour, there, no obstacles are open. So the, the, one of the goals is if you're going for mileage is to try to get how, like that first mile should really be your fastest. Um, if you can get five or, yeah, you know, do a lap in that hour. Yeah. If, if you, you can, if you can do five or, you know, eight miles in that, in that hour, then you're good to go. But you do have to. Do every obstacle, or if you fail an obstacle, there's a penalty lap. Not like a a full five-mile lap, but like a penalty loop. Um, But there are some must-complete obstacles where you you can spend as much time as you want there, but you have to complete the obstacle to move on. 
So uh, I'm I'm very curious as to how it's gonna work for me. Um, I'm pretty sure block ness is an obstacle, uh, and I just have no idea how that would work with one person. So I guess you gotta you work with your fellow competitors. Well, yeah, but what I if mean, there's nobody around? Yeah, I don't know. So I'm very, I definitely couldn't do that myself. So yeah, I'm wondering if you can go under. Because I've never actually... I mean, I think that's also extremely dangerous. Yeah, please don't do that. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) So, I don't know. And then, um, as soon as that's over, the next morning, uh, I'm doing the full Tough Mudder with my buddy Kyle that I'm really excited about. But it's his first Tough Mudder. So, I'm pretty much going to be slowing him down every step of the way. Because I will have just run, hopefully, 25 miles. Yeah, that's a long night. Are you doing anything on Saturday before the toughest? Uh, probably going to volunteer. Oh, nice. Um, if they're doing the 5K, I might do the 5K, just as a little like warm-up warm up. jog. So we'll see, but that's what I got going on. Um, you got a Ragnar coming up in a month. Yeah, I am not in shape for it yet. You said that about the Tough Mudder and you did fine. Yeah, but running's a little different. That said, I mean, I'm just going to, like, show up, and if I need to walk, I need to walk. The longest stretch is, um, I think my longest loop is seven miles, so, um, there's a trail. Actually, we did this hike once in, um, nearby that is similar in distance and elevation gain, uh, to the worst loop, um, on the Ragnar, so. Okay. I think I'm going to try to run that this weekend. And see how I do. Excellent. Um, well, that's our workouts. What have you done nerd out wise? What nerdy stuff have you done this week? Well, we, I mean, we went to see The Incredibles. We just got done watching Ratatouille. Oh, yeah, we just got done watching Ratatouille. What other nerdy things have I done this week? Um, I don't know. It's been, I've been all over the place. So, what have you done? Well, we watched Money in the Bank. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of wrestling. Lots Money in the Bank and uh, NXT, NXT TakeOver. takeover. Um, which, no surprise, was better than Money in the Bank. Shorter I and better. I was so disappointed by the people who won the ladder matches. Yeah. And, like, for the Money in the Bank. Like, uh, Nobody like, needed it. N- no. It wasn't. It was just so, like, oh, them again? Hmm. And I mean, I love Braun and Alexa, but meh. Yeah, it's Money in the Bank could have been a good way to push someone who has kind of been ignored, uh, and they chose not to do that. Yeah, unfortunate. Very unfortunate. Mm-hmm. But then again, um, I've been saying, and a lot of people have been agreeing with me, I can book better wrestling, so <laughs> WWE should just hire me. Well, you did predict a lot of things that were going to happen, so... Down to specific moves. Yeah. That was really funny. <laughs> there was, it was the, what was it, it was the Seth Rollins-Elias match when I was like, superplex to a Falcon Arrow. <laughs> and then it happened, and, you know, five seconds later, the commentator was like, like oh, superplex to a Falcon Arrow! <laughs> Like, thank you. Thank you. I feel like I would be... Me watching and commentating on wrestling would be very similar to Tony Romo commenting on football. Because Tony Romo 
as a commentator, he's amazing, but he predicts the plays and what happens before they happen. Oh, wow. Um, and it's absolutely incredible. It's one of the reasons why people have absolutely loved him as a commentator. Uh, he's amazing. I'm a big fan of, I am a much bigger fan of Tony Romo as a commentator than I was of him as a quarterback. Uh, but my nerd out things, I've really been playing a lot of, uh, Pokemon Sun. Uh, I'm actually finally getting close to beating that. <laughs> um, and it's wonderful. And I'm feeling like it, I've already put in so much time into this game and I'm like 80% of the way through the story. But my Pokedex is only like 50% full. And I'm like, this is how they get you. <laughs> you get far enough along, but then you need to catch up with the Pokemon you're collecting? Yeah, I need to go back to, like, I need to essentially go all the way back to the first stage and collect all the Pokemon I missed and then evolve them and all that other stuff. Oh, man. But what I love about the later generations of Pokemon is... With my 3DS, I can actually connect to the internet, and I can put up a Pokemon for trade and say, okay, this is my Pokemon for trade. I'm looking for this Pokemon in return. And then, if I'm looking for a specific Pokemon, I can search people who have that up for trade Mm -hmm. and and see if I have something that they want. And it's great because there are certain Pokemon that... You can only evolve by trading. And so, in one instance, I needed to evolve this Pokemon by trading. So, I traded to this other guy this exact same Pokemon, but both of ours evolved because it was through a trade. Um, and it's great because now I don't have to... Like, before, with the very first Pokemon Red and Blue for the Game Boy... You'd have to find a neighbor who happened to have the cord to trade or who happened to have uh, the Pokemon that you wanted. And so just the community that I can trade with is a lot larger and easier to find, which makes me happy. Nice. So, yeah. And then what else? Uh, I've been reading the book uh, How to Kill a City. It's all about the problems with gentrification and how gentrification really doesn't help anybody but people who are making money from it, um, which is just a few select giant corporations. Uh, Really good book. I highly recommend it to anybody and everybody. And then other than that, other than that, it's just the stuff I've done with you, which has been... um, Incredibles, and then just got done watching Ratatouille. Oh! I also have been doing... uh, Saturday morning, I volunteered with Headcount, which is a non-partisan, non-political voter registration organization, and it's great, because you go to Headcount, and um, you can volunteer at specific rock concerts, or specific any type of concerts, and after the openers are done... Um, about five minutes into the main acts set, you'll close up your booth and then you'll just get to go watch the show for free. So like I've talked to a couple people and I'm actually going to Dave Matthews for free. 
I have gotten into a couple conventions for free through this. So it's really great. So if you want to get out there and register people to vote, it's a lot of fun and you get to see some free rock shows. Nice. But you have to like talking to people or be willing to talk to people. Yes. And I'm a big talker. Yes, you are. That's why I have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyways, okay, so anything else before we jump into The Incredibles 2? No. What were your thoughts on The Incredibles 2? I liked it. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff, so... Yes. No holding back. Yes. But if you you don't want to be spoiled, um, turn this off. And go then go see, see the, the movie. Incredibles, and then turn this back on. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, first, uh, something that I don't think a lot of people picked up on, and you definitely didn't realize this when I told you, is both The Incredibles and The Incredibles 2 take place in the 1960s. So are you... But you say that... Do you actually have, like, a... Like, is there a factual basis for that? Has someone from Pixar said that? Or is this just fan theory? I don't think it's fan theory. I think it's based on um, the TVs are black and white. The First of all, the superheroes are like an allegory for racism and high 1960s. It's a thing. Um, the clothes that they wear, the houses, the sets. Um, a lot of the technology that's not superhero based is very much that time period. Um, This makes me want to go back and watch (coughs) at least the first Incredibles again. But we saw the first Incredibles as well as Incredibles 2. It's a double feature. Yeah. It was great. It was great. It was actually, and it was nice because this Incredibles 2 dives in right where the uh, first one ends so yeah with the family going up against the underminer the underminer he is below us but nothing is below him (laughs) so better or worse than the first one worse it doesn't mean it's bad though no not at all not at all do you agree uh i do agree i thought it was a great continuation of the story but you and i were discussing this uh, I think that the prob, the reason most sequels don't live up to the original is because no matter how good the sequel is, it lacks the originality. Um, mm-hmm. which I think makes sense. It does. You know, seeing the Avengers on screen all together for the first time is original and it's novel. And then you get Avengers 2. Um, and you've seen it before. So they have to up the ante. Unfortunately, they up the ante in the wrong way. <laughs> um, Incredibles 2, I, I don't know if they upped the ante, but they definitely, like, continued on the right path. Like, I thought it was a great movie. It could have, I don't know if it, could have been a standalone movie. Like, you couldn't, you definitely couldn't jump into the series on this one. No. I don't think so. Um, but I felt it did, like I said, it, it continued the story really well. Uh, what are your, what are, what are your other thoughts about it? 
Um, there are bits. There are bits that I really enjoyed about it. Um, but like, okay, for example, I think that what really made the film really funny was <laughs> Jack Jack. And you were talking about this we when we were discussing was Jack Jack is great, but he couldn't carry his own film. Uh, but he was the funniest part of the movie. But he's not something who could. I don't know. I was just gonna like like certainly he couldn't carry uh, carry his own film. But um, uh, I almost kind of just like wanted to see more Jack Jack than follow the story, which you know is maybe not how you should feel about a film. Um, granted, it's a Pixar and it's not meant to be like um, like I don't know cinematic gold. Maybe it is. I'm pretty sure Pixar is cinematic gold. Most Pixar is cinematic gold. Um, yeah, no, Jack Jack was great. He was like, anytime he was on screen, something funny was happening and I was entertained. I can't really say that I was intellectually stimulated by a lot of what Jack Jack was doing. Of course not. Um, I equated him to the minions in, in the Despicable Me series. Uh, they're great for comic relief and as supporting characters, However, there's not enough substance there to drive story. And yet, they still got their own movie. And it failed. I didn't and, see any of them, so... And Jack-Jack got his own short called Jack-Jack Attack, and it was wonderful because it was 15 minutes long. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much the most you could take from Jack-Jack in any given situation. Uh, more than 15 minutes of just Jack-Jack would be too much Jack-Jack. So, uh, the only, I don't know, you and I were having this discussion, uh, did you think there was very much character development? Not really. Nobody really grew. No, no. And I think the one that you pointed out the most was Mr. Incredible. Like, he did not grow at all. <laughs> he, like, still just destroys things. And I think, I actually really like that this film highlights the fact that, so, um, they get hired by this bajillionaire to, you know, change the face of, uh, or just change the way that superheroes are perceived. Um, which has a lot, lot to do with marketing, right? And the way people actually, like, look at what you're doing. And when Mr. Incredible would get involved, he would just destroy stuff. But Elastigirl could do things without, like, people dying and things getting destroyed and stuff like that. And, um, uh, like, he still, by the end, does not learn to stop destroying things at all. He just, yeah. still, like, he, but it, it also kind of highlights that his thing is just that he's really strong. Like, okay. That's pretty much all he has is, uh, and it's, it's, he saves the day, but he doesn't care about the collateral damage. And this is focused on Elastigirl, which I still think she should have been called Elastawoman. Um, I'm very upset. She's a mother of three. She is not a girl. Um, but she, she looks at, Solving the problem while minimizing damage. Uh, and I think that's... I do think sh- her character grows. She... Oh, go ahead. No, c- continue and then I'll... No. Um, her whole thing was she was fine wanting to... In the first movie, she was fine wanting to stay 
hidden, stay undercover, all that other stuff. And then in this movie, she struggles with, you know, to change the law, she has to break it, to, uh, to, to be, be with, with her, her family, family she, she has, has to, to leave, leave them, uh, like she says in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And she, so I think she ultimately grows to a point where she realizes that she can have both a family life and be a superhero. Uh, but I don't, I don't see any growth from any other characters. Okay. So I will say that Mr. Incredible does grow a little bit because he is forced to stay at home. I do. I did, you know, smirk when they're saying, okay, Elastigirl, we want you to be the representative for superheroes. And Mr. Incredible's like, but I'm Mr. Incredible. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, go away. Um, uh, or not go away, but you know, masculinity no, so fragile. Yes, um, but I do. You know, he does grow as a parent, which I, you know, I can appreciate. You do see that he like, you know, he's at home, he's trying to help the kids, and he like doesn't know what to do, and he's like failing miserably, kind of. Well, maybe not miserably, but he's failing, and then he just kind of, you know, he kind of is like, okay, I'm going to do this, and he does it. I can't appreciate that, um, especially since I think that, you know. Like, people don't realize how much a, parents who are taking care of children, like, how much work that is and how much work that, you know, goes into it. Um, yeah, I think that it's, uh, I'm glad that they highlighted that, you know, the difficulties of, of, um, you know, raising kids and being there for them, stuff like that. Uh, because that's a tough job. Absolutely. And, oh, excuse me. Um, he does, he actually is more present with his kids and he's trying harder. He's trying to do the stuff that he never did in the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, in the first one, he would spend his time, you know, in his car with Lucius listening to police scanners. Whereas in this one, he realizes that, you know, it's his wife's turn. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was, um, I thought that was nice. Um, also on the note of parenting, um, Edna Mode, her, one, she's like my favorite. I love her. Um, <laughs> and her stuff with Jack Jack was fantastic. Oh, yeah. She's easily, uh, again, great supporting character. Mm-hmm. Do not think she could carry her own movie. Uh, but for when she's in the movie, she just steals the screen. She's great. Much love. Yeah. Um, one thing that uh, it was uh, Bob Odenkirk plays the bazillionaire that hires them to change the law and everything. Mm-hmm. Was not very Bob Odenkirky. That character was not. What's Bob Odenkirky? Uh, Bob Odenkirk, he was, uh, he was he in, was, he's Better Call he was, Saul, yeah, he was, Saul Goodman, um, he was on the show with Bob and David, and it's just, I felt that whenever I see Bob Odenkirk, I feel very much like, he's almost got that used car salesman persona. <laughs> um, well, I mean, he is technically kind of a salesman. Well, yeah, but I just, it was very... It wasn't as over-the-top and, I guess, character-esque. It was more just straight man. And normally he doesn't play 
I haven't seen him play the straight guy very well. So I was, yeah, that's all I got about that. I I don't have anything to add to Bob Odenkirkiness, but um, I will say I liked seeing other other superheroes and their um, and their talents. Yes, um, none really stood out other than like I liked Portal Girl's powers. Void. Yeah. Void. Yeah. Um, that was cool. I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed how this was a very, like, female-driven movie. Which I think is appropriate right now, and, um, and was nice to see. Um, I don't know, I I also kind of felt like Violet, like, Violet kind of regressed, because, like, a lot of her story arc in this movie is related to her reacting to a boy. But I will say, in the end... They're going on their date, and she's like, save a seat for me, I'm going to be right back. And she goes and, and, you know, fights a bad guy with her family, and chooses her family and fighting the bad guy over the guy. Yeah. So that's nice. But, like, she's still kind of, um, granted, whatever, she's 13, so she's allowed to have a freak out about a, a boy. But, I don't know, I also was just kind of like, can we give her something other than having adolescence, as <laughs> as Dash said? <laughs> Yeah, Dash was just kind of there. Yeah, Dash didn't do anything. He ran fast. Yeah. He did what he was supposed to. He had his bit with the car. Yeah. So, we're done with with anything else with The Incredibles or should we move on to Pixar Um, as a whole? I'm trying to think if there was anything else I wanted to say about Incredibles. Um, Okay, my overall feeling for this film, or about this film, was that I liked it, but I didn't love it. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, that's. I think that's the. That's your. That's your overall feelings. Yeah. Okay. So before. Oh, we didn't talk about the fact that the villain was a woman. I guess that's a female-driven film, but um, I liked that she was the smarty pants behind. Behind all the stuff, but I knew it. I found this movie very predictable. This movie was very predictable, but we also have to understand that this is a. Kids' movie? Children's movie. No, I mean, Pixar is also for adults. <laughs> yeah, and that's why we're both sitting here saying we enjoyed it. <laughs> I guess that makes us adults. Kind of. I'll go with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, she was great. It was fairly predictable um, that one of them was going to be the ultimate villain. Uh, so yeah. I thought that worked, but I got nothing else to say on that. Yeah, I'm good. We were discussing our top five Pixar's. What were yours? Uh, Inside Out is probably my favorite. Um, Toy Story, <coughs> the original. Um, the Toy Story 3 is very high on the list, but Toy Story Up. Um, oh my God, what else is on my list? What did I say? Inside Out, Toy Story, Up, Wally, and I waver on the fifth one, but I think right now I'm going to say Coco. Okay. Um, mine are very similar. Mine are in no particular order: uh, Coco, Incredibles, Wally, Inside Out, um, 
You had trouble with your fifth, too. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I can't remember if it was like... If I said Toy Story or if I said something else. We'll go with Toy Story, because Toy Story is amazing. So Toy Story, I think... Um, I think Toy Story, the original... Gets that well, so we were looking at a, we were looking at one of many lists that came out right now of like ranking the top Pixar's, and one of them in particular had um, had Toy Story as number one. And I think that Toy Story, I love Toy Story. I like I said, it's in my top five. Um, and I think that Toy Story, the original, has a nostalgia boost. Yeah. Or it has the, because, uh, like we were talking about earlier, the, the newness, the novelty of a new story. And Toy Story also has the newness and novelty of this type of film. So I think it gets a boost from that. And I don't have a problem with that at all. But I do think it gets a boost from that. And I think the story of Toy Story 3 is maybe more, like, heart-wrenching and, like, um, maybe um, more, I feel that it might be, even um, more emotional for adults when they watch, like, three versus one, uh, because there's the, you know, aspect of getting older and stuff like that involved in Toy Story 3. Um, but I still hold on to one a little closer to my heart, I guess. Well, and again, uh, Toy Story does have that originality factor, mm-hmm. um, even as far as all Pixar movies are concerned. So... That is one thing that I would help. That, that's one thing that would help its rank, at least with me. Uh, now, one of the lists that I think it was the one you sent me had Ratatouille. Yeah, Ratatouille is number, number one. one. And we just rewatched it because I was like, you know what? I've never watched this a second time. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm missing something. So, do you think you're missing something, or did the did rewatching it? Um, make that ranking make more sense to you? No. <laughs> okay, Ratatouille is a good film. It's better than I remember. But in no way, shape, or form does it beat out the five we mentioned. And I could probably throw a couple others in there as well. I'm with you. Um... I think watching it again made me appreciate it a little more. Um, and as someone who it loves food, I love, I love, I love cooking and baking. I love thinking about flavors going together, though I am nowhere near as good at it, at that as say Remy is. Um, huh. and I also love going out to crazy meals and tasting food that a chef who does think like that can put together. But I, there's just something, like, that film just doesn't, like, I like it. I really like it. And um, there are parts of it that I think are really funny. And there were things that I caught this time around that I'm sure I did not notice the first time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, like, no. But I will say, interestingly enough, um, of the people who have told me that Ratatouille is the number one top Pixar film for them, every single one of them has been uh, a man. I've, I've definitely had women say it's in their top five, um, but much less. But every single person that has told me that Ratatouille is their number one film, it's, uh, it, it is men. 
That's weird. I don't get that. I don't know. It's just something I've noticed. Cause, and I, I mean, granted, it's not like my sample size is big enough for that to be a, um, a, like, actual finding, but just, like, anecdotally, the people that I'm, that have, I have said this to me are all guys. So. Um. I don't know if that's, like. I'm, I'm wondering if it's just a little bit of, uh, intrinsic sexism because there is only one There's woman only in the movie one female. and she are there any female rats even no <gasps> none that are like named or have a conversation like none that are talking that they that you can automatically say oh that's a female rat and they reference a rem- um Lu- uh, linguini's mom but she never has a she never shows up and, and and they talk about uh ego's mom and she shows up oh, for yeah. like half a second but uh, as for, like, characters with speaking roles, it's really just uh, Colette, and... She talks about she's in a sexist, um, um, like, this is, a, like, being a, a chef is, like, a... a sexist a, field. Yeah. So, um, wow. But, I, like, my biggest thing is... All... A box just fell in my kitchen, so... <laughs> there's that. Um, no, the... All the movies I mentioned, maybe with the exception of Toy Story and The Incredibles. So, uh, Coco, um, Inside Out... What was the other one I said? Wally? Wally. Oh, goodness me. As, as my Lego Wally is staring at me. Um, each of those movies... Hits me right in the emotions and makes me cry. And Ratatouille, no. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't cry during Ratatouille. Like I will say, the the moment that happens to Ego when he like tastes the food and it takes him back to his mom, making him the Ratatouille. Um, like I understand that feeling completely. I've got this thing like there are certain like uh, memories that I associate really strong strongly with food. And that's one of the reasons I like cooking and, and food in general and food traditions. Um, but yeah, there was no, like I didn't, that level, that understanding the, the, like that food nostalgia doesn't, didn't make me cry the way, um, uh, like, bing bong saying, what is it? Um, take her to the moon for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and then fading away. Like, what? Like, of just... Yeah. It breaks my heart. Ugh. Breaking my heart. <laughs> Damn it, Bing Bong. Um, no. And, like... So that's why Ratatouille is a great movie. Might be the top ten. But I feel it's somewhere in the... 10 to 15 range. Yeah, for me it is. Maybe even, maybe even like the 7 to 13 range. Okay, that's safe. Yeah. That's where I would, that's where I would put Ratatouille. Now, one of the ones that I sent you said that the bottom three was Cars 2, Cars 3, and The Good Dinosaur. Mm Mm-hmm. I understand Cars 2. Cars 2 is a complete waste of time, (laughs) crap movie, like... It was Pixar's cash grab, um, and mostly because Disney needed to market new toys to sell. So, that was Cars 2. Cars 3. I can see why they didn't think it was that good, because Cars 3, you didn't see it, did you? No. 
Cars 3 was two movies smushed into one. It was what Cars 2 should have been and what Cars 3 should have been. Um, so Cars 3 essentially has Lightning McQueen getting older. He needs to adapt to new training techniques to win races. At the same time, he's also learning to mentor a younger driver. Um, and a younger the, car, you mean? A younger, yes, a younger car. And so at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, even though he's undergone all these training techniques and he can still win the race, he doesn't and he gives it to his younger protege. Wait, he lets his protege win? Yeah. Instead of winning himself? Yes. Okay. And so it was just, it was very much, uh, if you'd split Cars 3 into Cars 2 and 3, it could have easily been the Rocky 4, where he goes to train and, you know, he beats out the younger, the younger boxer. Um, and then it also could have been Creed, Cars 3 could have been Creed, where Rocky trains the young upstart. Um, so I really felt that they smushed two movies into one, but I do not think it deserved to be the bottom of the list. Uh, maybe I need to give it another watch, but, like, A Bug's Life is pretty down on the list for me. I'm not a big fan of A Bug's Life. Um, um I... I feel was that the the one they did that was their second one right after Toy right Story right after Toy Story yeah maybe maybe like yeah I just didn't I just didn't love but I mean I liked it as I like all Pixar films but I uh, and then have, have you seen a good dinosaur I have I have um, it made me cry um, I re- I actually really enjoyed it I didn't think it was great I don't think it is a top ten Pixar. But I definitely think it's, if there's 19 Pixar movies or 20 Pixar movies. There's 19 right now, I think. I want to say I saw a list of 20. Oh, no, that list of 20 included the movie Planes, which Planes is not a Pixar movie. Um, Planes (laughs) was actually made by Disney that was set in the world of cars. It was really stupid. Did not see. So I haven't seen, I have not seen Planes. Um, I also, I did not see Cars 3, and I did not see The Good Dinosaur. And as a geologist, um, I was like, I know that the premise of The Good Dinosaur is that, you know, the dino, like, there was no, um, asteroid that hits the Earth and, you know, kills off living things, stuff like that, and therefore... You know, maybe humans evolved. Like, I just couldn't get my head around it, and I ne- so I just never bothered to see it. Um, but I don't know. Maybe someday I'll watch it. Um, I thought, like I said, I thought it was cute. I don't know if it was... Like, Cars 2 is obviously on the, the last on the list. Um, that's easy. That's... I did see that one. Have no memory of it whatsoever. Yeah, nor, nor should you. Um... But we're talking about the bad end of this list, or the lower end. We should talk about the... The, well, we already um, hit our top five. That's true. I will say one of the lists listed or had Brave as the worst movie, Ooh. which I was like, really? I mean, Brave is not my favorite, but um, I thought it was an enjoyable film. And also, the animation 
for her hair is so good. And as someone with really curly hair, I very much appreciated how how much effort they they put into getting that right. No, um, that uh, doesn't add to the story at all. But oh. Really good, really good animation. No, that's why Pixar is so good, is because they do take the time to animate everything so perfectly. So I was reading about Ratatouille and just like the trivia about it after we were, or while we were watching it, and apparently they had a bunch of rats that they kept near, like in their studio so they could watch them move, so they could animate them, uh, Remy and all, all of his family properly. And then also, they didn't know, there's like a part where, um, the, who is, what is the name of the lead chef? Skinner? Is it Skinner? Yeah. Skinner, um, gets soaked, uh, and, or someone gets soaked. Maybe it's, maybe it's, I, we just watched this film and I can't even tell you who got soaked in this. But anyway, so, so one of the chefs gets completely soaked and they ended up having someone put on a chef's coat and dunking him in a pool and then getting out so that they could see where the chef's coat stuck to the body, where it was see-through, stuff like that, so that they could animate it properly. And it's just like the level of detail that goes into that and effort that they make to get it right. I really appreciate that. And that kind of stuff shows through in their work, obviously. And that's why everyone loves it. Or one of many reasons people love it. So. Okay. So there are 20 films. Yeah? Yes. What is the one we're missing? Um, I don't know because we we didn't mention every single movie. So, but what I will say is like Monsters University, not good, not a good film. Eh, it was fine. Yeah, but I mean, I would probably put Cars Three over Monsters University. I would probably put. Would you be Finding Dory over Monsters University? Because I wouldn't. Mm. I did not love Finding Dory. Unmemorable. Yeah, so like it was um it was like uh uh Dory's a good a good supporting character but can't, can't carry, carry her own movie, movie yeah. especially since she can't remember anything. Uh, Finding Nemo. That's one that, you know, I feel like that's really close to my top 5, but it's just not there. See, everybody loves it and I'm like, "Eh. Oh, I I do like, I do love it, but it's not it's not in my top 5. I think um I think that's probably the Pixar film I've seen the most. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just like, um, it's so, yeah, I find it really touching, but not just, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I gotcha. It, it's now my number one. Obviously, Incredibles is really great. Um. Yeah, uh, Finding Nemo, I'd probably put in my top ten, but not, uh, not top five. And a lot of people have it as their top five. Maybe I'm just weird like that. I don't know. I think the only the only uh, solution is is to watch all twenty of these movies one right after another in chronological it's release like the, order. The for the Avengers, people did a full uh, Avengers um, marathon. You can do a full Pixar marathon. Might have to space it out over many, 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 many weekends or something. Yeah, probably. But. Uh, watch them all and rank them again. Oh man, having to watch Bing Bong disappear. Oh, heartbreaking. <laughs> On that note, let us know uh, what you think uh, the top five, the best, and the worst Pixar movies are. By the way, the worst Pixar movie is still a 
better than any other animated movie out there. No. No? No. There are plenty of great animated movies that are better than Cars, Cars 2. Cars 2. Okay, valid. But it's still a tough... Uh... Pixar is a tough act to compete with. They're, as you can see, every year, best animated film for the Oscars, right? Yeah. Um, and some years they don't win, which I think is I, stupid. I mean, sometimes they got to give it to other people. But there are very good animated films out there that are not that are not Pixar. Sorry. On that note, I want to wrap this up because I'm tired and I want to go to bed. Okay. All right. Kenny's tired. He's going to bed. <laughs> All right. Until then, everyone, we'll check with you next week talking about the probably the toughest mutter on that note workout nerd out Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.